0: You are listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. Everybody and welcome to Digital Noise. <laughs> Digital Noise, you're so awesome. So awesome. Digital Noise, da 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 da. Digital Noise. Why are we? What is happening right I now? I don't
1: know. I don't know what. you know I just went with it and then I think I influenced you (laughs) You and then you were doing the weird shit that I was doing yeah it it was just it was a bad
0: thing well I think part of it is we're excited this is Aaron joining me here hello Aaron hello we're excited because we said fuck it we're gonna go and which I just dropped on him without even asking him I was like we're gonna go ahead and record a video (laughs) version of the show now for subscribers we do it because why not it's super easy to do so if you're a subscriber to to one of us.net and you like digital noise and you want to see us make goofy faces and laugh and pull up images of the stuff we're talking about well now you can by becoming a subscriber at the you know i still haven't decided yet let's just say brown coat level and above uh which is five dollars a month you do that and you can check out the video versions of all the shows on here where you can see the lovely smiling face of dr aaron whittle you can also see me make kissy face at
1: Chris whenever he's trying to be serious and make him laugh.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to be all like, well, you know what, I think that the versimilitude ver- sim- of the, uh, and, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I just can't <laughs> talk about the subtext of films when you're making those faces at me, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know you like it <laughs> I do but if you go to the site itself you'll see a lot of Amazon images on the page for each digital noise you click on those images and it'll bring you to the Amazon pages where you can buy those titles and if you buy those titles we get a kickback in fact if you buy anything from amazon.com and you start from the page and one of those links we get a nice kickback so let's say you're in the market for a new refrigerator and you're like hey I could buy it through one of those links that Chris talks about. Like this link says uh Death Hookers from Hell Part Seventeen. Aaron's favorite movie, by the way. Yeah, Click on that. that. You don't have to buy Death Hookers from Hell Part Seventeen, although part you fifteen should. part fifteen is the sweet spot. Sorry, we never agree on that. But I'm just saying, you know, Michael Madsen. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and then what buying that refrigerator, we get a kickback from that refrigerator. Amazon's like, whatever. So You know, it all worked for me. But we have a lot of movies to talk about here. Uh, I gave Aaron a monster stack and said, I'll tell you what, why don't we just split this up into two different shows over time so you don't have to cram them all. Although knowing you, you've probably watched them all already anyway.
1: I I, I watched all. No, I have not. Uh, because I've had a lot of screener squads coming up, and because one of those was the camera set that we uh, set apart, which was 11 films on its own. And yeah. so once I realized we were going to do the video review of that with Matt Frank, which if you haven't checked out, you absolutely should. It was awesome. I'm cute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was like, okay, everything stops, because I kind of need to worry about this. And yeah. I got to watch a Megan Fox movie where she fights CG lions. It was fun.
0: Yeah, that's right. You're talking about rugs, so that was good.
1: I mean it was
0: It was a acceptable. Megan Fox movie where she fights CJ Lyons. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. it I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're gonna start off talking about a movie that I'm sorry does not have Megan Fox fighting zombies. But it, uh, zombies? Lions. But we are talking about a film that is about Koreans f- making friends with zombies or making money off zombies. A yeah. weird little title. Uh, you th- know, it, it,
1: Go ahead was a huge surprise for me uh like going by the title and the fact that it was arrow video i kind of went into this going like okay low budget independent splatter fast like I, I know what i'm gonna get sure and then no it's like the pluckiest most heartwarming
0: foreign zombie film i've ever seen yeah like it's i mean it's an odd little film called zombie for sale that that's what it, the the cover there looks like. That's it's uh it is from Arrow. I was totally a hundred percent unfamiliar with this movie. It is directed by Lee Min Jae, Uh and it is it is one of those. You know what it remind me of? Um... Oh, God, what was it called? Like, it was called Attack the the Bus or something like that. There was a Uh, South Korean film. You know what I'm talking about? Attack the Gas Station. Attack the Gas Station. It reminded me of Attack the Gas Station, which is, like, 15 years old or something, with a little South Korean comedy genre thriller film. And this is kind of like that, for sure. I thought, anyway. But... yeah, Aaron, why don't you start off talking about what this is about?
1: Sure. Basically, it follows the kind of family that we see a lot in Korean cinema that makes it over here. Um, they're a kind of dysfunctional small family who are all very intimate and uh, n- not like in, in that no, way. No, no, Very it's close. Not, this isn't taboo. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, they have a side-of-the-road business. They're trying to save up money so that they can basically reopen the gas station. And uh, the grandfather, uh, through an incident, basically gets attacked by a zombie of sorts and is okay. Yeah. And surprisingly. Th- th- <laughs> yeah, th- surprisingly okay. And like you're you're expecting it to really go bad right away and, and then it doesn't. Uh and the family realizes accidentally that when he gets bit by a zombie, instead of like turning into a zombie, he loses 10 years his skin looks great he's happier more energetic and all of his other friends who are all older men too, go holy shit what happened and he goes well i i kind of got bit bit by zombie you know and then like it just happens and so they were like could could he bite us too (laughs) and like sure enough before long they start selling access to this zombie Uh, who is a hot young thing It kind of like warm bodies if you guys remember that movie where yeah that's what i was thinking of yeah and so basically it tracks two stories one is the daughter who is growing closer and closer to this zombie who's kind of non-traditional um he does indeed eat but he's not hungering for brains and he really loves cabbages Uh, Which they feed him constantly and he's always eating them. And then the other plot is this series of old men who it keeps growing and growing and growing. They come to this zombie for it to bite them. They pay money and lo and behold they look 10 years younger. Uh, It's all great until it isn't and those people who got bit start indeed turning into well you know zombies and then before you know it you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse but it, it it does a good job of following the tropes of the zombie apocalypse film all of the same scenes and the same build-up happens it's never super gory though like you don't have a ton of characters dying left and right and getting ripped apart and so like even when it gets into the violence it still keeps its endearing charm, which is kind of what surprised me.
0: No, I agree with you. I, and I. it's weird, it, much like Warm Bodies, it's kind of like a playing with YA stuff, because it's kind yeah. of a romance between the daughter, teenage daughter, and this guy who's decidedly a zombie, right? He is a zombie. Yeah. Flat out, from the very but, second one. But he's like Bub from Day of the Dead. <laughs> oh, you can train the zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of adorable. I don't think it was quite up to what I was hoping it would be by the halfway. There's a halfway point you're like, "Okay, I like this." Like this is not at all the movie I thought it was going to be. It's kind of charming, it's real quirky, funny. There's a there's a thing with Korean films that it seems to be very specific right now for Korean films, which is the family in peril comedy. And it goes through so many different genres. In fact, they even Arrow put together a 20-minute bonus feature just about the history of family in peril comedies in Korean cinema. I mean, think about The Host, for example, or Parasite. This is the type of movie that we're talking about where it's a family and they're kind of grifters, they're borderline grifters, but they all in the end stick by each other and something extraordinary happens that changes their whole way of doing things. And they're like, we're going with this. And (laughs) yeah, chaos happens. In this case, it is monetizing the zombie apocalypse.
1: I I will admit, I, I think that as it became more and more a traditional zombie film, it did, it lost a little bit. But what made it end up working for me is, well, one, the fact that I was not expecting this kind of movie at all. So it was like a pleasant surprise the whole way through. But they do have several sequences where there are characters you very much grow to, uh, if not love, appreciate, and have affection for, are put into some pretty traumatic situations. And there may or may not be a couple of character deaths, too, and you really care for them. Like, this is not like a horror film where you're like, Oh yay. That asshole got ripped in half. Yay. It's like, Oh my God, please don't die. (laughs) And so the fact that it achieves that, even when it gets a little silly and eye rolling, it's, it still worked. I like the characters.
0: The comedy goes into serious goofiness, uh, almost into absurd, not quite, doesn't quite spill over into there, but this is a colorful film. It's an inventive film. I've never really seen anything like it entirely. Yeah. I know everybody's burnout on the zombie thing. Well, they're not making, by any stretch of the imagination, a traditional zombie film here. I, I mean, mean like, e- even oh. with the inevitably the plan going wrong and it turning into more of a zombie thing, which is a very small portion of this film, all things considered, even that is super weird and different and comes to a, a really great and funny conclusion. You
1: know what? I, I think you hit the nail on the head this joins the very rare air of a film that is unique you know like there aren't that many movies that are really just special and different and unique they're not always great and that's okay but it's still so enjoyable to watch something that's just not like anything else you've ever seen
0: Agreed, and this is one of those. Arrow really managed to to find one that was well worth celebrating or coming out for both South Korean genre film fans and for fans of uh, horror comedies. And it's a pretty looking package, as I showed before. It, the extra features: there's a Q and A with the director for about 13 minutes from a 2019 screening at Asian Pop Up Cinerama in Chicago. Uh, there's that aforementioned family and peril comedy history that's actually really informative and had me writing down titles of films and going, okay, okay. Didn't know about that one. Didn't know about that one of these movies. (laughs) Like, Oh, this is great. You got to check this out. Like that's, I wish that had been a full length documentary, quite frankly.
1: Honestly, this is one of two titles in today's show that. I'm adding to my personal collection. Like, I'm going to rewatch this.
0: I think I know what the second one is. Um, (laughs) The next one, then they have Making a Featurette, which is only about four and a half minutes. It's a Korean piece. It's kind of EPK with English subtitles. There's two brief, very brief, like a minute-long segments in Korean with English subtitles that are behind the scenes. There's the original trailer, and there's an audio commentary. And then, of course, the insert booklet with stills and an essay about the film. And yeah, this is is solid stuff, man. I, I definitely, it's like... It's a movie that's hard not to put on my pick of the week, and I haven't quite made up my mind yet. So, yeah. but I think we're ready to go into film number two on our list, and you have got that list in front of you. Why don't you introduce it?
1: Oh God. Uh, okay, so uh, film number two was one that I actually completely forgot I watched uh, the next day, um, and had. But to we reviewed it, back
0: it. We reviewed it together.
1: Oh, my list is in a different order. Never no, mind. it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking at a, a different list that we had originally. Oh. Um, but what you're talking about, what's actually next on the list, uh, is, yeah, a movie that we got to review for Screener Squad and was a just shot in the dark. None of us expected anything really from it in the horror film. And I think Chris and I both ended up just falling madly in love with it, yeah. which is Uncle Peckerhead. Oh my god, Uncle Peckerhead. So, uh it is about a indie punk band. Like we're talking legit indie. Uh the movie opens with the lead singer doing a "now nah, fuck you" of quitting her job so that they can go on their first tour and get their uh, uh their single played on a indie radio station. Mm-hmm. So like that's how small this punk band is and immediately things go wrong they're out of money Their their van doesn't get towed or no it it does get towed and they're basically going crap our tour is dead before it's even started and then they meet the titular uncle peckerhead who is a living in his van vagrant who basically is just the most charming guy you've ever seen in a film uh he's like sid haig if he were actually like not an evil character and everything he's been in (laughs) and so yeah so this guy basically says look i'm living in my van i hope you that's okay but i'll take you on your tour and they say sure why not what's the harm it ends up that uncle peckerhead uh who they also call peck but come on uncle pecker yeah he's uh is kind of a demon (laughs) <laughs> uh, missed a little every bit. night uh he turns into this giant roided out monster that's kind of like the monster the the demons from evil dead but with sharper nails and he eats someone he tries to make it kind of an asshole so like it balances out in the meantime but he's on their tour just kind of every night uh someone will treat them like shit and then lo and behold the next morning they end up dead and before long, they figure out that, yes, Uncle Peckerhead is indeed this weird, strange demon, but it's okay. He won't eat them. He promises. <laughs> and and so they kind of go on the tour, and are we going to be friends, or are we going to be afraid of this man-eating demon with us? And I don't want to go too much further, because then we start getting into the twist and the turns of the movie. Um, it, it gets a little more sinister. There's a couple of great gore scenes there's one scene that was a little eye-rolly with some poop um yeah but well, it's we were basically... we were both like no yeah. with the no, no 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 <laughs> stop to stop it five seconds ago you're good yeah. um but yeah it's this, this great little punk rock gory horror film if you're one of those people who likes independent splatter films check this out and if you like punk rock i admittedly do not but chris assures me that it's legit music
0: it is it is real music I'll tr- I, I'll teach you I, I, I don't know what kind of music you listen to but I suspect it's like you know the soundtrack to Xanadu right am I far off <laughs> uh, sure
1: I've no. never seen Xanadu
0: uh, well you don't have to you don't there's no reason to just listen to the soundtrack okay. but uh, okay. yeah no I mean like alright so K-pop am I wrong yeah you're, you're right you're right K-pop. I, f- I figured that was about the right, yeah. same level that's alright man K-pop. you're cool it's all. I'm okay, not gonna. Well, okay. I'm judging you a little bit, but it's fine. It's not. It's irrelevant to our purposes here. Is what's uh, important. Yes. Uh, we did talk about this at length in the actual review and screener Squad, which you can look up. Uh, we have a archive of videos on there now, and it's alphabetical. If you go to the top of the screen where it says Films, it goes to a whole page. It's all everything we've ever reviewed alphabetically. You can look it up on there.
1: It, uh, it's but the one with the demon on the cover. It's very obvious.
0: <laughs> but uh, we got to call out David Littleton, who plays Uncle Peckerhead, who is just wonderful here, and I hope that we see him and more i think we all were like i love that guy he is the yeah. most huggable man-eating monster in film history yeah
1: this is his feature film debut and he is maybe the most enjoyable actor i have seen in a horror film this year yeah it's like no no sh- i'm in just because of you i'll watch anything you're in
0: by the way i'm not torturing my cats you hear them screaming I just fed them. They're just like, I hear your voice, dad, and we want in, but you can't come in because you'll destroy things in here. So please believe me, the cats are fine. I apologize for their screaming in the background.
1: That's okay. There's a 50% chance that like by the end of this show, you're going to see this tail just going. Yeah, it's It's not entirely. Might be a
0: point where it goes to just Aaron and then I'm like wandering (laughs) off like, God damn it. Okay, fine. Come in. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the bonus features here, there's the tr- original trailers with the red band and the regular. There's a, a director and cast commentary track. I did not get time to listen to that, but I definitely will be at some point because they, yeah, you know, we talked to the director, or I talked to the director, and he was really charming, and the cast seems like they're charming. And this includes the short film... Uh, it was. A, Oh, God, now I'm forgetting the name of it. Like Larry's a demon or my roommate, Larry's a demon. I'm forgetting the name of it, but it was oh, the film right. they made before this. That was sort of the inspiration for this. And now the movie that the director is trying to get the money to make is based on that. And they're both sort of, he said, it's like a parallel universe with the same band, but different shit happens. It's like 14 minutes long and it's super gory. Like, like it makes Uncle Peckerhead look like a lifetime movie of the week by comparison. Holy shit!
1: Okay. It's
0: so gory. And also a little bit too much of the, the the stuff we didn't like with peckerhead the poop and stuff like yeah stick with the stay away from the poop okay that's we don't like the poop we need red
1: splatter not brown splatter red and green only
0: yeah and then there's a thing where you can like uh just play in the sound over the, the title menu of the disc, It plays the songs from the movie. So you can just listen to them that way. And then there's a music video by the guy who wrote all the music with his band, which is really weird where he is being this guy with like a demon face, like a pig demon face, like takes him in his house and chains him in all these various different uncomfortable positions and force feeds him desserts. Huh. <laughs> Like seriously, he's like in a in like a strapped wasn't to this chair. I was expecting
1: desserts. I was go- expecting like anything, but not desserts. He's got the out. metal
0: things, and his the sides of his mouth. <laughs> his mouth is held open, and the guy starts scooping cherry pie into his mouth. And you're like, "What is this oh, video? Shit. What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't Fair know. Enough. I got nothing, I'm... but it's a thing that happens in there. But <laughs> I do think this is really worth. Uh, picking up i think it's kind of a modern a new little minor cult classic and well worth checking out
1: agreed i've recommended it to like three friends already
0: oh yeah me too uh so our next title is another horror comedy and that one is dead dicks that's a title for you that just sounds like you thought uncle peckerhead's title was off-putting now you've got dead dicks and you go. it's a horror comedy called dead dicks how many severed penises are in this movie (laughs) <laughs> and they i don't no, think that no, no there there's any. none it's We're not good. yeah no it is i not. had to think about it a second yeah yeah uh <laughs> it, it is a movie that we saw <laughs> uh, yeah obviously a little bit late on the release but hey what can i do like they send them to me we do the best we can to get these out they don't always send them right when they come out either but uh why don't you talk a little bit about aaron about what this one is about
1: sure so uh... Dead Dicks, first of all, it is a horror comedy, but also it is very much an attempt on the filmmaker's part to try to do a service to mental health issues in general. Like They very much talk about that in the beginning, Like even have a little text on how to get help. Um, But basically it tells the story of this woman who she's about to go off and, I guess, get into a medical program? I was a little unclear on what she was, just because my life is chaos. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, she's a bartender clearly just trying to work her way through school and trying to get into life. Um, but it's immediately you find out that she has this weight on her, which is her brother. Uh, clearly she has to go take care of him a lot. He's always getting into trouble, and she's basically mom. And uh, like normal, she gets a couple of panicked phone calls from brother. Okay, I guess I gotta take care of this. And she shows up, and finds his dead body because he has killed himself and immediately starts freaking out like you do when you find your dead brother on the ground after killing himself. Uh, and before long, his naked body comes around the corner and he's eating cereal, having a nice morning breakfast and freaks the fuck out. He's he's like, Oh, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) And so it, it comes out that her brother on a dark period of time, uh, legitimately tried to kill himself and or did kill himself and then he came and woke up in his bedroom completely naked no memory of how he got there and there's the dead body on the ground and so apparently it's the intellectual or logical thing to do at least for him he kills himself again and again and he starts playing around with painting while dying and just starts to experiment with it. Uh, every time he, he gets a little weirder and the room and the world shakes and basically chaos ensues. But yeah. You know, yeah. So yeah. that's when the main character shows up where he's already like three, maybe four dead bodies in. Yeah. And he's trying to explain this to her and she it's basically her trying to logically handle a insane situation because it's crazy stressful. How do you get rid of the dead bodies? Yeah, and we there's more. Four...
0: Yeah, there's more reveals and drops as it goes along because yeah. it's as if that's not enough. Like, and why is there a giant vagina on your wall? That's like me, it. it may or may not be an asshole. Uh, an asshole. Sorry. Why is there yes. a giant asshole on your wall that every time you die and come back you get pooped out of it, your new version? If, what is that? And,
1: and then there's a downstairs neighbor who's losing his mind because the brother keeps playing like trance metal at full blast and the entire building shakes every time he gets pooped out of the uh the wall anus that I was admittedly trying to talk around, but fair enough, Brian. It's um, early, it's early enough in the film, yeah. that I
0: feel like we can talk about the wall okay. anus.
1: Um, so yeah (laughs) and it's it's basically this series of events of them trying to figure out what to do and then how to hide the bodies and then when that goes wrong uh, how to deal with the next situation and then when that goes wrong then the twists really start coming and shit gets kind of crazy um and it
0: it also gets a little surreal yeah which even even I, i would even say like surreal isn't the right word It's abstract, to be sure. It's abstract. It doesn't feel like it knows what to do with that. It feels like they use the abstraction for more of a, I'm not really sure how to wrap all this up more than any real good reason for it being there. Because
1: as we were getting into the third act, I'm glad you thought the same thing. Because when we were getting into the third act, I kept going... I'm not quite sure, like, what a satisfactory ending is going to be for this movie. And I started, like, thinking of, okay, maybe this can happen and this can happen. I know that it's going to end with at least this one thing occurring. And then they just kind of went goofy with it. And I, I was really disappointed with how that was done. And there's also an effect in the movie, which... I'm not going to go into detail too much on because it is a pretty big spoiler, but mm-hmm. there is this one gore sequence that they used CG for, and the CG is so bad yeah. that it's not even. This is a low budget movie, it's bad CG. This is this looks so bad. These people should have found a better way to do this. Like, yeah, I'm not going to say done better. I'm
0: not going to say this film isn't ambitious because it is, and it's certainly got a super solid idea. Um, the the weirdness of it being there's no reason for it to be an asshole on the wall I'm absolutely I, I think they just thought it was funny and I'm like Actually, there's I, a... I, I get that but I think that's
1: uh, that's with them trying to tie in some thematic content about how we view ourselves and yeah it's up like four levels I just
0: and... feel like there's a this film would have been better suited by edging more towards the dramatic because it's a super solid, cool bottle film of an idea. And I think if they had just stuck with, well, what if we played this seriously instead of for laughs, you actually would have come up with a better film than trying really hard to find ways to be goofy and funny that most of the time are like just getting in the way of what is kind of a fascinating story idea. And I didn't really think that they found a good ending for this either.
1: You know, I think that if they had taken this movie seriously, instead of making it the comedy, The ending they chose could have worked a lot better because it would have had a lot more thematic weight. And instead of us all going, like, clearly this is going to end on a joke. Uh, Oh, no, no, no joke. Okay, cool.
0: But there's more than enough really solid, interesting ideas in this thing. I think both the performances are reasonably solid here. I think this is overall pretty engaging. And I think some people are really gonna take to this. It just for me, it just felt like a wow, this needed another few passes before it went into production.
1: I agree. But, I, I think it's gonna be a it's it's gonna be a cult movie. Yeah. If it's up your niche alley, you're gonna dig it. But it's definitely not for everyone.
0: Well, there's audio commentary with the writer directors Chris Bavota and Lee Paula Springer from Montreal. Uh, There's four video diaries with both of them as well. That's about 17 and a half minutes, little mini featurettes with them talking about how hard it is to make a tiny budgeted indie film. No kidding. Uh, There's two minutes about the FX, which like we said, are not wildly impressive. And uh, then there's some bonus trailers of other things from artsploitation. I will say for artsploitation who tends to do, they do a lot of horror and genre stuff, but that like is trying to be experimental and different that they've have a bad habit of not really gauging why some stuff is not funny. I bring you back to that red Christmas that Aaron loves so much. Oh if you remember, That's that.
1: still the, I, I do remember that. That still is the worst movie I have ever seen doing this show with
0: you. And they do a lot of stuff. You're like, okay, like I see what you're aiming at, but, I feel like whoever is the guy who picks the movies here, we don't share exactly the same tastes. I'm always uh, like, how did you manage to dodge around something like zombies for sale and pick dead dicks instead?
1: I, I agree. It's weird. I, I, I don't dread art exploitation as a label, but like every time it pops up, I'm like, oh, okay. Whereas I, there's so much out there that I think they could be picking that would really benefit from a release instead of what they sometimes pick, which is not this one though. Like, I think this is legitimately an interesting
0: Yeah, I was gonna say for for the I thought this was actually more uh, more up the alley of what I expected from arts exploitation, the type of stuff they would put out. It was like, oh, this is a step in the right direction of what I I hope from you. Although still, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) not quite a slow clap, but you know. (laughs) Anyway, our next title is another Arrow title, and that one is Black Rainbow. This one is bringing us back a bit to the year 1989, a super uh, natural thriller film directed by Mike Hodges, who directed Flash Gordon in 1980. Didn't you just buy that new 4K of Flash Gordon?
1: I haven't yet. I've been waiting for the reviews to see if uh, it was worthwhile, but I thought that I, was you. I'm going to. I'm
0: but going he did. To. Uh, It's going to happen. He did the original Get Carter, which is great. You know, I mean, like, okay, so this guy's done some good... Croupier in 1998, good film. Okay, I'm kind of excited. This sounds like a potentially cool little title. Arrow, with their history of, like, uh, 80s horror films, they're hit and miss. Sometimes it's going to be like, yes, and other times it's like, seriously? You thought this was re-releasing? And I feel like Black Rainbow falls maybe somewhere in the middle but uh aaron why don't you give us a description while i let my cat come in the room as we predicted
1: okay i i will attempt to i'm not gonna lie when i watched this movie uh like two days later i was looking at the list of titles and went what the heck is what did i did i watch that i like actually had to pull up a picture i was like oh my god it was that one uh so pardon if i get the details wrong this movie i I, I, i didn't glom onto it as much as you did um Basically, it, it follows uh, Roseanne Arquette, who is has a deeply unhealthy relationship with her uh, father, as she is what appears to be a, a faith healer or, or a, an ESP person who's, like, scamming the audience. Uh, and all we know about her going in is that in the very beginning of the movie, in the, in the uh, bookend segments, she's some crazy lady in a house. So, like, that's all we get. But before long, we come to realize that she is no lie, a legit medium. She actually can hear ghosts from the other side. And uh, she has an incident where she basically predicts someone's murder. And it's a great sequence. Because uh, it's playing out and, and like it plays out like a scam. Like For me, I was convinced that she was making it up and this was going to be some weird comedy or some awkward scene uh and it slowly transitions into her talking to this woman and describing her husband who is very much alive and describing his incredibly graphic death where he's he's being like blown to bits by a machine gun uh and she's telling it all and this woman freaks the hell out because she knows a lot about her but you know like is, is he dead right now like what's going on uh no he's not but he dies that night he gets shot through the window randomly and so that attracts the attention of the other main character who's a journalist trying to find out if she is indeed a legitimate medium and he is your typical 80s skeptic who's just like nah fuck anyone who's even remotely Claiming that they have extrasensory abilities. I'm going to prove you
0: wrong. By the way, Tom Hulse, only a few years after starring in Amadeus, which he was like nominated for a freaking Oscar for, and you're like, yeah. and now I'm in Black Rainbow. <laughs> and he
1: immediately has a toxic relationship with Roseanne Arquette, who they have. Like they hate fuck each other immediately and he says one wrong word and she kind of is like, Nope, I'm done with you and I never want to see you again for the rest of my life. The dad is super protective because I think in his mind he does treat her like a scam artist, and like, don't talk to anybody.
0: Yeah, Jason Robards uh, is the dad. I mean, this cast
1: is so fucking good. And 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 before long, they like that's when the movie starts to kind of fall apart for me because there's a running plot of uh, somebody trying to clean up witnesses, and that's kind of what the first murder is about, and it circles back around to be what the main story is about in the end. But there's this weird divergent uh, where they spend like fifteen to twenty minutes focusing on what ends up being a natural disaster. And it feels like this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. It's not sure if it wants to be a movie where someone can predict natural disasters and they're trying to stop them from happening. Or it doesn't know if it wants to be a movie where they are uncovering a conspiracy and they get wrapped in on it because of her her abilities. And I think either movie would have been good.
0: Is it also, is it an indictment of religious faith or at least of of like blind faith and like faith healers and stuff like that is that what's going on or is it also is it a is it a skinamax 80s sex movie (laughs) feels like like that sometimes too
1: it's so confused And, and that just hurts it the whole way through like okay sure there are some good kills in this movie there are some really good scenes in this movie anytime she's going through and doing her esp it plays out pretty well But it it just never gels together. This was just an okay movie. Yeah. I I clearly forgot about it, like, two days later.
0: It is forgettable. It's one of those, as you're watching it, you are going, what the fuck am I watching? But it never really takes all these elements that are kind of so crazy and don't feel like they belong in the same film and manages them gel in a way that elevates it to, like, what I would call cult level, you know? It never quite manages to transform itself into a movie that's memorable
1: you know what it is it never gets goofy it, it, yeah. it's always like okay well i guess that happens cool yeah
0: yeah like, that's okay that was a movie that you watched and and you're not no longer as surprised as you used to be about what happened to rosanna arquette and tom Hulce's career exactly <laughs> like, oh you were in black rainbow that's what happened yeah, I don't know. Um it's not hateable or anything. It's not no. terrible. It's certainly very professionally made. It's just uh, it's okay. It's big the biggest problem is just the scripting.
1: You know, it, what? if if you want a my Cutch's movie, go go see Flash Gordon. It's it's better. It's it's worth it, trust
0: me. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call Flash Gordon better, but it's definitely more enjoyable. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Cuz Flash Gordon as much it's as It's not people, a good movie. It is not a good movie. But, but it's one of my favorites of all time. I obviously it so much. considered to be quite enjoyable. I saw that movie in the fucking theater when it came out. That's how old I am. And I loved it. <laughs> I had nightmares about that fucking tree. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Fair. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so fair. anyway, this is Arrow. There's a bunch of stuff in here, including an insert booklet uh, and writing, including a letter that Stanley Kubrick apparently wrote to the director about the film uh there's two different audio commentaries one of them by the director there's the making of black rainbow for 20 minutes uh there's some archival interviews with jason robards rosanna arquette and tom Hulse, and then there's four different archival featurettes none of which have really held up all that well in terms of like uh i mean they didn't do a lot of fiction to make them look like they were hd or anything is all i'm saying
1: i uh i didn't read the letter did it just say do better
0: Well, no, we, I get, I got sent a white disc, so it didn't come with the letter, but I don't know. Maybe Kubrick really admired this. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that, that that would be so fitting.
1: Like, I I want Kubrick to be like Tarantino where he cut, like if he came out with his top 10 films of all time, you're like, what? It'd be all stuff like
0: like Black Rainbow. You're like, are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. That, that would be, would have been interesting. And, uh, but you know, they wouldn't have been, they would have all been like really pretentious titles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They would have been.
0: Yeah. Uh, so we're going to our next title, which I think is probably the pick of the week here. Um, I'm looking at Aaron, looking at his screen, going, wait, is it the pick of the week? Yeah, pretty sure it's Aaron's pick of the week. And uh, that is a odd little instant cult classic, but only for people who have the patience and attention to stick with it for a little while. And then it just so pays off and is worth your while. And that is Baku Rao? Baku Rao? Am I saying that correctly?
1: Uh, Baccarat. Baccarat. Yeah. That's Bac- how they were Baccarat. saying it in the movie. Yeah.
0: Baccarat. Yeah. Uh, this is a fascinating little movie. I'm just startled that it came out in almost nowhere. And I remember it came, it actually got a theatrical release even here in Austin. They were playing it at like the art theaters around town and people were raving about right. it. I, we're I, like, I oh know. my God, you have to go see this thing. I mean, the only real like Sonia Braga and Udo Kier are the two like draws in celebrities, but you're not watching this for c- celebrities. You're no, no, watching no, no, this because no. you've never really seen anything like it. I know I keep making Aaron do all the descriptions no, no, and I'm that's ready. because, okay. I, and that's because I get to go and pull up the image titles, which next <laughs> show I'll be prepared for. So,
1: yeah. So when I was talking earlier about, there are two movies that uh, I am going to add to my collection. This is the other one. So Baccarat like zombie for sale is unique um like i i had no idea what i was getting into and as the movie unfolded i continued to have no idea what was going to happen next um so it begins with this beautiful shot of earth and it's serene and peaceful and artistic and the camera slowly pans over and, like, zooms in. And I'm sitting here, look, I actually paused the movie and went over and looked at the plot description and then looked at the cover and was like, like, what I'm <laughs> seeing does not in any way match this. But then it kind of gets into the movie. And basically, we're in a in the boonies of a, around a small township in a fictional country in south america and it in brazil in brazil i wasn't sure if they specifically called no it's not in brazil it's near brazil
0: no it says brazil
1: was it okay yeah my, my bad uh the, 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 the <laughs> fictional region um so basically it's it's following the citizens of this Township, and it begins by following a couple as they're bringing in water from another area because uh, the government has shut off their water supply and is trying to get them out. Uh, We see right away that this movie isn't really our world, maybe. Like, you're not quite sure if uh, you're watching a dystopian future science fiction film or if, you know, this is just a region of the world where shit's really bad um and so we kind of go into the town and meet the different groups of people there there's been a matriarch in the village who has just passed away and it has sent ripples throughout the community um but they have prostitutes they have teachers they have colorful characters living on the edge of town like it's a really diverse and interesting cast of people who are just living this really beautiful quiet life and then stuff starts to get a little weird
0: Uh, udo kier shows up with Uh, his oh sorry go ahead i'll get there i'll get there there. Uh, sorry sorry back to you back to you there's a beat now here's Aaron with the weather there's a
1: beat i want to talk about but like like there's drones that look like alien saucers um and then uh there's a couple of small weird things that happens and then basically what happens is the john carpenter music starts uh like there's a scene where they just boom john carpenter soundtrack kicks on full blast and from then on the movie changes they start finding dead bodies and people start getting picked off by unknown assailants there's a couple in really 80s-esque Uh, Windbreaker outfits that are Riding around on a motorcycle and killing People and then Udo Kier shows up uh, With his band of white Supremacist uh, Mercenary Americans Who are just looking to kill Something basically and it looks Like the government has hired These people maybe to come in and and Clear the town out it's never really said That's just my assumption And, And they basically assault the town and the townspeople fight back. Yeah. Now, like, like like that makes it sound like it builds up to a very traditional action movie, but
0: or or I, western I, I, even. Yeah,
1: I, I realize halfway through this movie, what sets it apart is there is no exposition. Uh, there's never a moment where someone sits around and explains what happens when the townspeople fight back. You don't get like this rah rah sisbumba montage of them equipping themselves. It's just that the killers start dying. And when people die, it is bloody and painful and real. And, like It is intense. Some kids die, which was a little hard for me to watch. Um, but it, this is just a fun, unique, kind of beautiful, artistic, 80s splatterfest, post-apocalyptic dystopia movie. Yeah. It is, it's its own animal. Go watch I, it. It, I, it is my pick of the week as well.
0: I, I definitely... Think of it more of a Western because it falls so many of those tropes. But like you said, it's a lot of it. You spend a lot of the movie going, what is actually going on in this film? Because the town is weird. You're like, what is it about this town? That's so fucking weird. There's something going on in this town. That's strange. And then you're like, Oh, you feel bad for the town because you're like, shit, there are all these mercenaries coming in. They're starting to kill them. Like what is going on? I'm rooting. I don't even know what the town's deal is, but I'm obviously rooting for them. And then you found out you probably didn't have anything to worry about.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I, like, there was a point that I messaged you. that was like, and I don't really want to go into too much detail about what it was, but I was like, this is the only movie I've ever seen where someone, like, proudly is displaying some really heinous, gory violence at the end. And you're like, yeah, put that shit on YouTube. Go, do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there's actually a nice extra here. There's an hour long fly on the wall style making of documentary uh, by a different director who came in and, and was like, yeah, we're going to follow every step of this production from beginning to end, getting really intense, talking to everyone about it. So if you like this film and I not, I watched about half of it. And then I was like, okay, I got, I've got to go and watch other stuff. Uh, my life is busy these days, but yeah, it's like, wow, that's impressive that a little a weird foreign language indie film like this is going to go to all that trouble. Um, there's also a Q and a with the co-writers and directors and Sonia Braga at when the film was shown at the Lincoln center. It's about 15 minutes long. Um, and then there's a new interview with co-writer, co-directors, Philho and Dornelles. That's about nine minutes long, recorded just for this disc uh, who address that uh, they say, basically the movie came what it is after Donald Trump was elected which should say something about what's going on here. It Thank
1: also saying his name.
0: Sorry. Parallels Brazilian politics and how you talk how they talk about uh bringing in stuff in the real world, but not being too overt and not oversimplifying them e- either. And then there's a single deleted scene and a twenty eleven short by co writer, co-director Dornells called Men's Sana in Capore Sano, which is about 20 minutes long, which is a horror satire about a man who gets obsessed with with, uh, staying fit, and it goes really dark. I did not get a chance to watch that either. Um, But there's an audio commentary by the director, original theatrical trailer. This is a pretty insanely packed disc of stuff and well-worthy of of viewing by pretty much anybody and of being our pick of the week, which it, in fact...
1: Agreed. If you at all dig any of the kinds of movies we've talked about, watch this movie.
0: Well, I'll tell you, the next movie on our list never had a shot of being our pick of the week, which isn't to say I want to write it off completely either. This is a 1988 cross-Indian-American action-adventure film called Bloodstone, also being put out by Arrow. Uh, The last one was Kino Lober, for the record. Written uh, by Nico Mastarakis. Now, Arrow's recently been releasing a lot of this Greek director's films. I'm not sure why. Maybe they found them in some sort of, like... Just a, a a deal to put them all out at once, but yeah, they apparently have gotten some sort of deal with releasing his movies. He he put out a whole bunch, and most of them weren't very good. And Bloodstone <laughs> is no exception. Although it's kind of funny in the way that it echoes in many ways. I would say, uh, the romance, an attempt to do like a romancing the stone or yeah. what have you, but with oh. cheap budget and and going to India using one of the big stars in India uh to be someone like, oh, we'll sell this cross country because now we got this guy, uh Rajinikanth, I have no idea if I'm saying that right or not, to so, be like the Indian lead. The other guy is not as big. <laughs> okay. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of well yeah, like
1: no, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say this movie is good. Um I really like the subgenre this movie falls into which mm-hmm. was very prominent in the 80s, you know, it, it romancing the stone, it's that movie um where it's always white Americans end up in, you know, scary foreign land and it's always India, China, Japan, Africa, like, like one of those where we didn't really know much about at the time if you weren't paying attention and like it's they're always so racist and they're always so horrible, but they're they're so fun. Like they're just delightfully <laughs> it, bad.
0: I mean, they like what can be
1: think, fun. Like the quartermass experiment was that one too? No, that was or not the one. Cor- what was it, What's the quarter- and that's
0: the quartermass experiment? Experiment no, for the record. of Something
1: else. It, You're it, thinking of amazing.
0: Alan Quartermain in the City of Gold?
1: Thank you. The, whatever Thank the other you. one
0: was called, I forget. Yes,
1: like yeah. Alan Quartermain in the City of Gold.
0: Yeah. Or Lost City of Gold or something. Whatever. I've seen it. I just don't remember.
1: None of them are good. And this movie continues that valiant tradition of not being good and being incredibly racist, but also being kind of watchable. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, It follows the titular Bloodstone, as I'm going to attempt to get the plot, but basically the Bloodstone is captured by an amateur thief who is trying to get it into india in order to give it to his buyer himself and he meets up with the two main characters who are traveling executives on their honeymoon
0: yeah i think they got
1: married a (laughs) week into like they got they met each other and like a month later got married and then the guy is an ex-cop.
0: Yeah, who yeah he's retired. like, oh, no, I'm not j- just a businessman. I'm also a like, former badass.
1: He, like, married into being an executive. So he's, like, had this job for a week? I, whatever. The, these are the main characters. And uh, they get wrapped up into this giant... Who has the diamond? We assume you do. Uh, The wife, of course, as you do, gets immediately kidnapped and taken off the board and spends the rest of the movie being sexually harassed with crimped hair. Um, And then the husband, who kind of really doesn't care, uh, basically tries to rescue her and tries to get the bloodstone back. And shit gets weird and it's racist and goofy. And uh, the Indian star who is kind of good in this which is not his fault is (laughs) kind of a racist character like really racist stereotype and so i'm I'm sitting here watching the movie the whole time going like i'm sure that you're a talented guy but man you're not being used well here uh and and, oh yeah my, my last thing that i have to call out the wife has a running gag uh character attribute in which anytime she is excited she has to go pee like a puppy dog and every single action sequence in the movie without fail that she
0: is a peripheral on she's running away going i need to find a bathroom he's not kidding there's a lot of needing to go to the bathroom in this five times in the movie she calls out i gotta go pee so are you ready for a bit of trivia about this movie that you did not know hit me so the guy the blonde hunky guy who plays the american of the cop yeah, it's Sandy is his name, is played by actor Brett Stimley, who you have seen in other big films. Okay. He played John F. Kennedy in Watchmen in 2009. Oh. That's that guy. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. The, the, the same guy. He was in a bunch of shit. Uh, Just like Parkland with Tom Hanks. He was in that. Uh, he was in Transformers, Dark of the Moon. I mean, you'd think this looks like the guy who did this movie and then no one ever heard from him ever again. But no, he was actually in a whole bunch of stuff. He
1: has, he like, just, a huge and storied career as that he, guy.
0: I, I guess. I mean,
1: that he was on Sunset him.
0: Beach and The Bold and the... He was on a lot of soap operas, is what oh I'm saying. Oh, my God,
1: I watched him on Sunset Beach.
0: What? You watched Sunset
1: him. Beach? Dude, the... There was a summer that I was sick, and so I couldn't be on a swim team. And so I was stuck at home, and I got into Sunset Beach. There was an, a, a Poseidon incident plot line where the boat got turned over, and, and I watched that shit hardcore.
0: So there are layers to Aaron. Yeah. So there are layers to me. Now, I've talked at length in the past, like both Martin Thomas from Double Toasted and I both have, like how we got super into... Uh, general hospital for a certain period of our life and it was the same period it was like the like the, in the mid 80s like early 80s during the whole like luke and Lara, like they were the biggest thing in the world where literally it was like breaking records on television how much people love this fucking couple that they got joan collins to come in for a special two-hour wedding episode oh. that aired at prime time <laughs> but the, after that for some reason the show was like you know what we're going to have it where magic is real and there are spies everywhere. And like, our characters are always going off on spy missions and Indiana Jones type missions, searching for like cursed objects. And I, I, as, things. A, as a kid, I'm like, this is awesome. And then every <laughs> once in a while, there'd be other characters like, why don't you love me? And we're like, we don't care. Go back to the whole, <laughs> the ice princess and all that shit.
1: Anyway, I'll, I'll have to admit, uh, I, I watched it religiously until what is apparently a hallmark of the, uh, genre my favorite character sw- got switched out with a new actress like whoever was doing it got a film career and went off and did bad horror movies for the rest of her career a lot of uh, actors and,
0: get their start in uh, yep. soap opera. and
1: a new person walked on and it just stopped and popped up some text that was like the part of this will now be played by boom it was like oh
0: Dude, soap operas
1: immediately don't like that.
0: Soap operas would do that for like an episode sometimes. You're like, well, that dude had vacation time coming up. I don't know what to tell you. So oh, like God. a main character would be like, and now the part will be played by just for that one episode. You're like, that's weird. That's weird. Anyways, <laughs> yes,
1: Bloodstone. It, yes. If you like that kind of a movie, sure, check it out. It's it's not good, but it's, it's not the worst fun. thing I've
0: ever seen. It's fun. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's yes. it's kind of racist for sure. But it's the Indian side, it's the Indian actors, and clearly the writing from that side that is kind of racist against Indians, so I don't know yeah, what to make of that. it's
1: really weird. I don't know. Like, all the most racist things are the Indians. Like, the actual white people are just kind of there, and yeah. they're more sexist.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some of that. Uh, but, so, this comes with a commentary by Dwight Little, uh, that was announced, that uh, uh, where literally was just done. So he's like, oh, I hope the coronavirus is going to wrap up soon, so... Uh, there's another commentary by someone named Brian Reisman. There's Keeping It To Myself, 28 and a half minute self-interview with the Greek wacky director Nico Mastarakis. Uh, From Bollywood to Bloodstone, 22 minute audio piece by uh, critic Josh Hurtado about the actor, the Indian actor Rajin Khan, who apparently was actually a really beloved, iconic Indian I, actor. I'm, I have seen him in other stuff. My weakest spot in cinema history is Indian film. I know very little about it. Uh and I always admit, yes, I've seen very little uh, of agreed. Indian cinema. So I hey man, I sorry, I take a pass. I it may be the first thing I've seen him in, I really don't know.
1: What you know, the one thing i left I'll say about this movie is it could have used more Brian Blessing's screaming, die.
0: What what couldn't?
1: Yeah.
0: Huh. fair. All right, so our next film has got to be the most fun, wacky adventure that you're going to see this year, the goofball series of screwball hijinks, Hiroshima. Oh my God. Dude, I'm sorry. I sent this to uh, you going, Aaron's already in a dark place, and I'm like, hey, do you want to watch a 1950s made, like, not that long after the bombing of Hiroshima, film made in Japan by the Japanese, starring actual survivors of hiroshima and not a documentary still to date one of the largest casts of extras in any film ever made hiroshima there were like thousands of people who lived at hiroshima like oh yeah i want to be part of that movie about the after effects of it and people dying of radiation poisoning i mean that is essentially the plot here so i um i kept putting this movie off uh because
1: I either was working and couldn't watch a subtitle of the film at the time, or just you know, didn't want to watch a movie about the Hiroshima bombing. Um, so I watched this last night. After I did a recording, it was super late. I was a little drunk. I had just found out about Chadwick Boseman's passing, and I was like, great, I get to watch Hiroshima. <laughs> um, I kind of adored this movie, though. Like, like It's a rough watch. It is absolutely harrowing chris like nailed it there's not really a plot it, it, it's a drama. they spend about 10-15 minutes in the beginning actually like 15 years after hiroshima uh talking to a group of kids who were there at the bombing and talking about the uh, the kind of sicknesses they have and the effects that they've had from the radiation poisoning and basically talking about the fact that they're all gonna die um and te- kind of mentioning some things that they saw uh, during that event and that's the rest of the movie is them just going back and showing those events play out uh it's got a lot of really <laughs> really i keep going back to harrowing but heroin stuff with kids basically like two of the three main groups are just kids and one of the other main groups is a dad or main character stories is a dad looking for his missing child and it, it's that it's this disaster docudrama that is beautiful and really painful and as an american i kind of feel is essential viewing because it's like it's a weird feeling watching a disaster film that is first of all a man-made disaster film, you know, like this was done by people and then it was done by us Americans. And and the movie is never really anti-American about it. They even had they have a few lines of dialogue in the beginning going like can you really blame the fact that they did it? Like look at what we've done.
0: Yeah. Uh, it is self-recriminating is, to a certain extent, which it, is surprising.
1: That's what the movie feels like. It feels like this movie, along with Godzilla, of all movies, yeah. was Japan trying to work out the trauma of losing through sickness or immediate death close to 200,000 people from this one city alone. Like, it, it's a hard watch, but and you it's should.
0: It's incredibly well shot. It's just, I mean, it's arresting the images in this film. And it's not like it's fast moving. It doesn't need to be. It starts very shortly after the bomb drops and just all these people we just saw in schools and in their town, everything's demolished. They're pulling bodies out of the rubble. Their children with burns all over their bodies, wandering around screaming for their parents. I mean, it's horrifying to watch. And a lot of the people you're seeing in this film who are suffering from radiation sickness and their hair is falling out, those were actual people who were suffering from radiation sickness and their hair really did fall out because they were affected from Hiroshima. This is a weird cross of reality and fiction. And very, I mean, literally, it's like inventing characters for the purpose of telling this story, but it's not really about the characters per se. It's just a perspective of what it was like to be there in this post period. And it's startling and upsetting and beautifully made. And I, wow. I mean, I don't. it's not like you said, the most surprising thing is that it's not angry. You would exactly. think it would be very angry. And that's not what this is about.
1: It, it almost feels guilty. It almost mm. feels like this is them going like, okay, look, we we took action that led to this and we have to take our responsibility and this is what's going on because i I know at the time i know that there was a lot of um uh, prejudice and kind of low-key ignoring and abuse turned to some of the people who were affected by this Mm -hmm. like uh, the sign the the burn marks from the bombing were like signs of shame and so like this feels like an acknowledgement and kind of an act of catharsis uh, uh, yeah yeah I and mean, it's a it's like a poem almost the, yeah. the way it handles it but at the same time it feels kind of like a documentary
0: yeah like you said docudrama is the best way you, to you describe it this
1: feels like this feels like um i mean obviously the events are different but it feels like united 93 did Do-
0: i kept thinking that too yeah I mean, no, not no, in the way it's made, but... No, no, not at all. It, in the emotional it not, response it gives and you.
1: And specifically United 93, not, not the Oliver Stone Twin Towers. No, and all which things. is nowhere
0: near as good anyway, so... Uh, but this is Arrow, again. Uh, they do a great job fixing this thing up. It actually looks pretty amazing. Old black-and-white film here. Uh, as good as it's probably going to get presented in its original one Aspect Radio with mono audio. Uh, there are a few extra features here. There's a Hiroshima Nagasaki download, which is an hour and 13 minutes, which is a sort of art documentary by Shinpei Takeda, which has a bunch of interviews with actual survivors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, who now live in Canada, the United States and Mexico. That alone is pretty upsetting yeah. and comes with an introduction by the director there's Hiroshima Cinema and Japan's Nuclear Imagination for 33 minutes, which is a video essay by Jasper Sharp, which looks at the various different ways that film has handled the bombings there. and there's an interview with actress Yumiji uh, Sukioka I sorry, I apologize if I'm saying that right, which is an archival piece with one of the main stars there in Japanese with English. Subtitles there's also, of course, the Arrow Insert booklet with two essays in there. So
1: yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a bold statement before we move on. I think that Hiroshima might actually be the best movie I've ever seen that has the Hiroshima bombing in it. Like, like yeah. every other movie that I've seen that's tried to tackle that subject matter. It's always from the American point of view, because obviously, and, and it always treats it like they try to treat it with awe and respect, but it's still just a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, yeah, this is a it's just place. so immediate. I, I, I adored it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's excellent. Our last film this week is, man, we've got a lot of Arrow films this week. I don't know why it just ended up being that way with the, the luck of the draw there, but our last movie this week is a weird little French comedy that kind of pulls, pulls back on, we're talking about the South Co- uh, Korean tradition of films with the family uh, plot, the family that is like, and gets in too deep, that's kind of a scammer family and finds themselves having to deal with the results of their own actions, but still always ultimately stick together. This one's called Life is a long, quiet river, uh, directed by Etienne Châtelet.
1: Although it's interesting, because that's like only a third of the movie.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's a, but it's a decent part of it. Well, yeah. why don't you tell these folks so what this film is about?
1: This film is about the idea that people from different economic strata suffer different experiences. And so... It starts, arguably, uh, with a nurse and a a pediatrician, an OBGYN, who are having an affair, by the way. And they have been having an affair for 15 years. And he treats her like garbage. He's never going to leave his wife. Um, And she's getting fed up. And finally, after being done with the abuse, she says, fuck it, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm... I'm leaving you, you're never going to be with me again, and by the way, I'm going to ruin your whole life. So she like writes a letter to family, she writes a letter to these two families that the movie then follows, who, back in the day, he treated her like shit, and she got mad, and she basically kind of swapped the babies. And so she writes these letters to the families going, hey, so I I know you think that's your son, but actually it's not. You had a daughter who's living with this family, and I know you think that's your daughter, but it's not. Your your son's over here. One is the head of a large successful power company, or factory, one of the two, it doesn't really matter. And (laughs) the other are the plucky grifter family who are moment to moment and are always looking for a good scam. And so uh, the movie follows those two families as they kind of try to deal with this. But really, it kind of follows the kids as the rich family decides, well, clearly, you know, we're going to give the kids the better life. So we're going to keep our daughter and then we're going to basically go buy our son from this other family and we're just going to raise them both and make a fucking deal. Uh, and the other family of course they're all grifters are like cool (laughs) you can have our kid we'll still maintain a relationship with him because he's ours but give us money give us money and it it follows that family as they splurge and start buying things and experience life without their kid and then it follows the rich family who uh, has a super controlling mom who i hated um and a disinterested dad who has no concept of how to interact with his parents trying to deal with a, a rogue grifter kid who's smart and talented and charismatic as well as their daughter who they already have a troubled relationship with because the parents are super hardcore christians and she's a girl becoming a woman trying to discover her sexuality and understand who she is which is a challenging time for bible thumpers um and yeah like there's kind of more story here but not a lot the daughter they hide the fact that the daughter is not theirs for a while and then she finds out and wants to meet her real family and is kind of horrified and then the kid the boy is slowly kind of coming to appreciate the gifts he's being given in this new role even though he's still that other kid and i feel like the movie because it was so focused on this central thesis always kind of kept the characters at arm's length except for the nurse and the doctor like, they were well-rounded characters who had arcs and changed, and I was interested in their adventures and was, like, following from beat to beat. And then the families were just kind of living their lives. I, I ended up wanting more more story, more to happen I- with it. I
0: kept thinking when I'm watching this, the guy who made Parasite saw this movie and went, I can do a much better job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 But this movie was actually a big hit in France when it came out. Seven nominations at their Oscars, the César Awards, won four, including Best Writing, well, Best Writing, Best First Feature Film, Most Promising Actress for Catherine Jacob, and Best Supporting Actress for Hélène Vincent. And it was odd that the director was only known for television commercials, which had kind of a cult following for being kind of, he had a very odd style, and the trailer had no footage, no scenes in the film, and was just a poster with just the film's title and that was the whole trailer for the film none of the names were big actors in this why did this turn big well it turned out that young people really grabbed onto it and were like oh my god word of mouth made this a big hit to the point that by the time the awards came around they were like we got to give this movie some awards which is crazy but i will agree with you this It's a product of its time. It's a product of the culture. It doesn't really translate all that well on all the elements it's trying to do here. A lot of people feel more like symbols for the class struggle than actual characters. Yeah. You know, there are some cute, genuinely funny moments in here. And it is relatively short, all things considered. But it's nothing that stuck with me. This is one of those I'll be like, I forgot I saw this movie a year from now. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, There are interviews in French with English subtitles here featuring... Three crew members and one cast member. Uh, the, the interviews with the co writer and director Etienne Chatelet, his first feature film, once again, pretty. so he's probably still was excited about it. Uh, and then with an actor, Andre Wilms, and then with the co writer and co producer, Florence Quentin, and with the co producer, Charles Gasson, uh, and then the insert booklet with stills and all that sort of thing. But anyway, that is it. That is the show for Digital Noise for this week. That is Aaron. Damn. Aaron. Aaron. But wrote all he didn't even know i didn't go aaron i need you to read all the descriptions this week aaron was just like whatever dude i got this yes, i got I'm, it i got it except I'm for
1: the fact that i'm on the wrong list so i was completely wrong about the order it i literally just <laughs> sent you the list <laughs>
0: i never got it i don't what? know what yeah. i emailed it to you oh that's
1: why i didn't i didn't check my email i was <sighs> checking all my chat programs he's
0: like you old people are still using email for stuff uh, anyway but yes
1: I, it was a pleasure it's always fun to do digital noise this keeps me I, sane at the time of pandemic i get to watch weird ass movies i never see normally
0: indeed and if you like this once again if you're just listening to the audio version of this which is free if you're a subscriber at Browncoat level or above you can check out the video version of this which we do have in our forums there please become a subscriber and then i'll send you an email saying hey thanks for becoming a subscriber are you a form member what's your name in the forum so i can upgrade you to brown coat so you can watch this video where you can, can actually the see the pictures shit. and watch yeah. aaron picking his nose and me like looking at the door going like fucking cats shut up and things like that i can make kissy faces <laughs> at the camera